Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Again, welcome to Horizon West Church. Um, as Crystal shared with you guys earlier, man, I just want to add my fuel to that flame of, of surge. Uh, if you've not participated in that or you don't know what that is, she shared with you, but it's a student event, um, all middle school, high school students, um, and, and we just really encourage those kind of things because, listen, a lot of us who are following Jesus now probably trace the origins of our spiritual life back to those teenage years, right? And, and more specifically for a lot of us, it was a, it was a camp uh, it was a weekend retreat. It was something where there was not just a, a one-hour service, but hour after hour of being immersed in teaching and worship and being challenged in our faith. And so if you've got a middle school or high school student or you're connected with one, we just want to encourage you today, uh, get them signed up, make a small financial and huge eternal investment um, by, by doing that and signing up a student today. Was well, we were singing, uh, Awaken Your City um, I, the thought occurred to me, we probably should be saying awaken your cities because we are a community that's represented by many cities um, in this area. And yet, we are in a city. The city is called Winter Garden. Today it feels like winter, more often it does not. And I don't know if you know this, actually I'm going to ask if anyone does, you can shout it out. Do you know what the motto for the town of Winter Garden is? Anybody know it? Ah, all right, I'm going to educate you this morning. Did you know that the official motto for our city, Winter Garden, is where good things grow? I want you to think about that from the pers this perspective. We, we as a church, we always say we're, we're for our community, we're for our city. Um, we want to partner with our city and with our community to, to see good things happen. And guess what? That's our, stated, that's our city's stated goal, to be a place where good things grow. And it got me thinking, what are good things that we can grow and should be growing at Horizon West Church as we partner together with the city to see kingdom impact. Wednesday morning, I was talking with a friend of mine, not a believer, and, uh, but he's involved in the city. He's kind of an activist. He's really uh, he's involved in, in things that go on in Winter Garden. And as he shared with me his heart for, for equality and for justice and peace, and this is a guy that, that would in no way categorize himself as a Christian, I said to him, I said, friend, I I see what you're doing is kingdom work. The only difference between you and me is I think a kingdom has a king in it. And, and we can partner together to grow good things and to see kingdom impact happening. And we just know as a church community, as a fellowship of believers, that there is one who is driving that. There is one who is within us and for us and who has delivered us from our sin. And he is the king that we're following as we seek to grow good things in his name. So with that context, I want to share with you some of the good things that I believe God wants to grow and, and, and expand through us as Horizon West Church. The first is this, good news. Good news. Now when somebody asks you, hey, I have uh, good news and bad news, which do you want to hear first? The answer is always what? Good news, really? See, to me it's the bad news. Anybody else who's like me, you want to hear the bad news first, right? Because if it's... Bad news followed by good news, then, then we're ending in a healthy place, right? If it's the other way, that's not so good. For instance, there were two brothers. This is a joke, obviously. You're going to know by the end of it. 
there were two brothers that, that both loved baseball, and they made a deal with each other early in life, and they said, listen, whichever one of us dies first, uh, when you get to heaven, if possible, just, just try to show back up on earth and let me know, let the other one know, whether or not there's baseball in heaven. That, that's all we're asking. Well, sure enough, as they got older, one of the brothers died and had the opportunity to return. This is not theology. <laughs> had the opportunity to return. He said to his brother, I've got good news and bad news. Which do you want to hear first? And what do you think the brother responded? Ah, he said the good news. He was so anxious and eager. Tell me, is there baseball? He said, well, here's the good news. There is baseball in heaven. The brother said, that's fantastic. What could be the bad news? He said, you're pitching tomorrow. <laughs> it's always fun to see who catches it later, you know, in the... With that in mind, as we talk about good news this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the bad news first. Is that fair? Go to Ephesians chapter 2 if you've got a Bible or a Bible app. We'll also have it on the screens where you can follow along. Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read for you verses uh, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The bad news begins with these words, you were dead. Now that's bad news, right? Paul doesn't say, the writer of this, this uh, letter, Paul, the apostle, he doesn't say, you were sick. You were spiritually injured. You needed fixing. He, he doesn't say you needed somebody to, to, to make you better. He says you were dead. The reason is there's something we can do about sickness, right? We can, we can take the medicine. We can get the rest. We expect sickness to pass. But death we can do nothing about. Paul says you weren't just spiritually sick. You were spiritually dead. And what did that death produce in us? Two times Paul uses this word, following. You were following. You followed the course of this world. You followed the prince of the power of the air. You were led along. You were a passive participant into whatever was leading you. He says the prince of the power of the air. That one always was weird to me. I was like, man, what does that mean? Like if there's a strong gust of wind, is that Satan? You know, like what? Well, that idea, the power of the air, it's actually talking about the atmosphere. The, the one who's trying to cultivate an a atmosphere that is godless. An atmosphere, an environment, a culture that produces destruction and death. And Paul says, you were slaves to that. You followed that. Another way to say it is you were slaves to the culture in which you lived. The way that you were once entertained. The way that you once spent your money. The way that you once thought about yourself and other people, and even God himself, you were a slave. You were not like the uh, thermostat that determines the temperature. You were like the thermometer. You just read it. Whatever was true about the world around you, that was true of you. If you hung out with people that were doing A, B, and C, you did A, B, and C. You were a slave to your culture. And not just that. Not just slaves to the culture around us, but we were once slaves to sin in us. Let me again read verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, it's one thing to be a slave to a world around you. Well, then you just have to move to a monastery, right? Just get away from it. But if you were to move to that monastery, if you were to live in absolute isolation, you would find another power at work, not just around you, but in you. A slave to sin within. For several years, the better part of two decades, I was a slave to sexual sin. When a thought came into my mind, man, I grit my teeth and uh, God help me to, and, but I was a slave. What does a slave do? What the master says. And by the power and the grace of God, not in a sudden earth-shaking moment, but in steps of obedience, putting myself in the lives of men, walking in the light, God began to break the chains of that slavery. See, some of us are still stuck and we're slaves to sin. And the, the, the irony here is that people who are slaves to sin think that they're free. I'm free. I can, I can do this. I'm not going to be bound by rules. I'm not going to be bound by, by this idea of a God or a church. I'm free to. The next thing you know, they're addicted to and they can't stop. See, freedom is not being able to do whatever you want. Freedom is being able to do what is best for yourself and others regardless of what you feel like you want in the moment. That's freedom. That's walking in the light. Paul says we were so enslaved that essentially we continued on that path even though we knew it would destroy us. Talk about being spiritually dead. Man, I know if I have one more drink, it's not going to be good, but I really want that drink. I know if I have that conversation with that person at work, I know it's going to lead me, but, but I just want to do it. Even when we know the outcome, Paul says when you're a slave, you just get carried along. And yet there's a hint of hope in the opening line of that verse 1. The important word, the all-important word is, Paul says, you were dead. Praise God. Let's see what happened next. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." These verses give us the best two-word phrase that was ever invented. But God. I wonder what your but God story is. What, what is your story? For Paul, it was a man consumed with legalism, enslaved to sinful desires, a persecutor of Christians, but God. For me, it was the same first two, plus apathetic, fearful, judgmental, but God. I wonder what it would be like if, if each of us began to craft our own but God story, which is simply what we were, what was true of us, what is true of us now, and that moment where it began to change. For some of you, it was Paul on the road to Damascus. The lights came on and everything changed. And God has the power to do that. Believe. He, he can deliver you from that addiction in a moment. Or he may also begin a good work in you and carry it on to completion. Do not give up on the process 
either way. His mercy and his kindness is driving it all. We use the word testimony to describe what the, the story is of those of us who have come to faith. And I want you to hear how John articulates the power of testimony. Revelation chapter 12, uh, verses 10 and 11. I think only 11 is on the screen, but I want to read verse 10 as well. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Man, we know the power of the blood of Christ. That, that's what saved us. And John's going to say yes, and Jesus is going to reinforce, yes, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There is power in your but God story. I would encourage you this week to sit down. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a whole written deal, but just scratch out what were some things that were true of me in my former life? What was I a slave to? What was I addicted to? What was my manner of thinking? What were the, the self-doubts and the self-hatred? And the, or, or what was the, the opposite of that? The independence and the pride. And what did God have to break me of? And what is that but God, but God story? And what is true of me now? Now, it's not true that you have arrived, but you are arriving. And that is a beautiful and an awesome story. Let me give you one word of caution as you craft your but God story. Uh, make sure it's about God and not you. One of the places that we can get bogged down is sometimes, for some of us, the details of our story are so uh, bizarre or horrific or fascinating that we get so immersed in the story, we forget that it's really about God and how he delivered us within the story. Did you know that in this passage, Paul devotes twice as many verses to the goodness and the effective working of God in our lives to what life was like apart from him before? Twice as many. Why? Because it's about God. He uses words like mercy, love, grace, kindness. In fact, if you're a person that interacts with your Bible and, and makes notes, I would encourage you to underline or circle or jot down what are those words that Paul uses to describe the goodness of the God who delivered us from our former way of life. Another thing I would encourage you to do is, if you haven't yet, commit these verses to memory. If, if there were two verses in the Bible and somebody said, hey, what, what's one or two verses that you would have me memorize? I would say Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no man, no woman, no child, no one can boast. And then what would it be like if we identified a few people in our lives that, that we know need to hear this truth, that they too can deliver, that, that God also wants to show up, like we sang about that there's no person that he can't save who are those people in our lives? I believe that Horizon West Church has been called to be a place that wherever there is bad news, we show up with good news. Bad news in our workplace, we have good news. Bad news in our neighborhood, we have good news. Bad news in our home, guess what? Even there, we have good news. Let me go on to verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared be, uh, beforehand that we should walk in them. The second thing I think God wants to produce in us, the, the good thing that he wants us to grow, is good works. Paul uses the word workmanship. The, the Greek word there is poema. I've heard guys smarter than me say, hey, that sounds a lot like poem, right? We're God's masterpiece. We're, we're an artistic expression of a creative God who formed us, which means that whatever you think about your life, God sees you as a beautiful expression of his own creative and perfectly loving heart. 
Listen, we live in a day and an age where people are walking around feeling like they are the scum and the refuse of the world. Can I be real specific? Our teenagers and young adults, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're taking their lives. Man, we, 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 gotta, we gotta offer a better hope. These are people, you are a person who is created in the image of God. You reflect his beauty, his creativity, his power, and his passion. And there is a purpose for which you were created. Paul says it's this, you were created to do good works. Now I need to be clear on this because some of you have come from a theological background where good works were what saved you, right? It was like you put your things on a scale, right? It's like were there more good works than bad works? Well certainly God wouldn't judge me if I had more good than bad. Paul completely blows up that argument. You were not saved by good works. Whatever you think your good works were and how they compared to your bad works, there is a righteous and a holy God who lives in a perfect place called heaven. And, and your good works aren't quite good enough. If that's bad news to you, I just need to be clear about that. Your good works cannot save you. Good works, however, are not incompatible with the gospel. In fact, they are the natural outworking of the gospel as it takes root in our lives. You see, I say that because some Christians, especially evangelical Christians, you know, we're all about, we've been saved by grace. It's just grace. It's all grace. And I think scripture would say, yes, but as you're working out your salvation, do something. Don't just sit on what was done for you, but because of what was done for you, step into the great things that God has for you. I would say it like this. You've not been saved by good works, but you've also not been saved from good works. You have been saved for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's how the NIV says it. See, it's one thing to acknowledge that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Some of you with crew, that was Bill Bright's four spiritual laws. The number one, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yes, that's true. But it's another thing to understand that there are thousands of very specific actions that God has purposed for you to take and that he is leading you to accomplish. For me, this infuses my day with meaning and purpose. It's why this morning at Starbucks, I, I, I'm sitting there and I see a guy walk in who, I don't know his situation, but he clearly was um, coming in off the street and ordered a cup of water. Now, if, you're, if your life is just, you know, the rat race, just going from one thing to the next, and you're just an accident of, of chance, and it's just another day, and you're just going to get through it and make your money and go to sleep at night, well, that's one thing. But all of a sudden, you start seeing opportunity. Hey, hey brother, do you, do you want something to eat? He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. And then I felt bad. I'm like, man, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't have presumed. You know, it's like, ah, was that awkward? And then he goes, actually, yeah, man, I'll, I'll get something. Like, all right, come on. So we go, we order. The guy at Starbucks gives it to us for free, right? And then we go back. I learned his name. We exchange phone numbers. I mean, I don't know what will come of that, but I can tell you that when you're leaning in, God, what is it? Why am I here? Is it just for my salted caramel cold foam cold brew with extra sweet cream? Or, or... <laughs> or, or is it something more? And all of a sudden, there's Jameson and there's Jack. And there's Ed, and there's Jordan, and people around me go, God, God, man, they're in my life for a reason. I'm in this neighborhood for a reason. You've put me in this workplace for a reason. 
The reason isn't to make money. The reason isn't to, to, to keep a nice lawn. Those are fine and good and necessary, but the reason is bigger. The purpose of my life is to do good works. You've prepared them in advance that we should walk in them. Here's what I believe the power of good works is. First of all, and I think this is important to say, good works are good because they're good. <laughs> they're an end in themselves. They manifest the heart of God, his generosity, his peace, his justice, his protection to the, to the people he created. I say that because, listen, if nothing comes of those seeds that were planted in the lives of these people that I've encountered in the last few weeks, if nothing comes of that, okay, I can't control that, but it's not wasted. Someone knows that there's another human being that cares about them, that noticed them, that reached out, that manifested the heart of God to them. Good works are an end to themselves, but also, I believe they are the single greatest means by which we earn the right to share the good news of Jesus in our world. We live in a culture that, that has been saturated with, with churchism, right? They, they've seen Christians proclaim the love of God in one moment and then blast people that don't think or look like them in the, in the next on social media. They, they're not interested anymore in what you have to say. We've got to go back and earn the right. And I believe good works can do that. People go, oh, you don't just preach this stuff. You actually try to practice it. This isn't just Sunday morning, you, you put your cape on and you show up and you do church with your family and you worship and you, oh yes, pastor, that's fantastic, but you actually go throughout your week and it's a living truth and presence with you and it, it makes a difference and you're actually kind to people. Well, maybe I want to hear what you have to say after all. What I would love to see at Horizon West Church, what will be true at Horizon West Church is what Peter describes in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, uh, oh gosh, I went to another verse. Let me go to 2.12. Live good, such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing evil, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I guess that's the verse we needed, right? Live such good lives among unbelievers that they actually see the goodness of what you're doing and, and they're interested because of it. 1 Peter 3.15 just says that they might even ask to give a reason for the hope that you have. Wow. What if people in your classrooms or, or your workplace, your friends or family start saying, man, what is driving this? What is motivating this? And, and what if you're one part of their story and they know that there's a Christian that cares about them and that tries to live out the good news of Jesus, but then all of a sudden they show up in another place and there's another Christian and they start going, man, I now know multiple Christians and maybe they're all going to Horizon West Church. Maybe some of them are at Mosaic or Oasis or Citrus or First Baptist Winter Garden or First Baptist Windermere, but it doesn't matter because we're all part of one kingdom. And they say, man, these Christians, they, they actually do the stuff. And what if that became such a disruptive force for good in our world that our community began to go, man, something's happening in those churches. And God seems to be on the move. I can't go anywhere without running into Christians who are practicing what they preach. There's so many ways we can do that. I shared a few weeks ago about foster care and adoption, and, and we've had so many families in this at this campus, also at our John Young campus, who have stepped up to foster or to adopt children in need, others who are praying about it, others who are taking the first steps in that process. You can also do it in really simple ways. When you go through the drive-thru and you pay for the order of the person behind you and you just go on with your day and somebody goes, man... I don't know who that was, 
but maybe something in them goes, God, it seems like you're just kind of saying you care about me. It just seems like somebody's looking out for me, and that's a good work. You might, as the weather warms up, drive around, especially the Horizon West area and, and right around Hamlin, where there are just hundreds of construction workers, and, and we get frustrated by the construction, but that's a good thing, right? And you might, as it warms up, just drive around with a cooler full of Gatorade or, or water and just stop and say, hey, I'm going to leave this here or hand them out and say, hey, I just wanted to know if God loves you and thanks for what you're doing. Have a great day. Just planting seeds. The power is great when it's even one, but what if it becomes hundreds? What if it becomes thousands? What if it becomes a groundswell that our world cannot ignore because we're all in for the good news of Jesus? We're willing to do the good works that he's called us to do. And let me go on to this final good thing that we believe God wants to grow here at Horizon West Church. I want to read the rest of, the, of chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Paul says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that made in the flesh by hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. I'm going to pause there for a second. Paul's saying, you people who are not Jews, you, you people who didn't get the law, you people that don't have a, a, a former covenant, you people that are just drifting through life without God in the world, remember that's who you were, and then the next verse, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two and make peace. And that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The third thing I think God wants us to grow at Horizon West Church is good friends. Good news, good works, good friends. Paul summarizes the condition of these individuals who were not Jews and didn't know God, and he says, at one time you had no hope, you were without God in the world, but now, there it is again, you see it, verse 13, but now something changed, something is different. And Paul's going to make the case that embracing the gospel does simply, uh, more than simply reverse, uh, sorry, let me start over, embracing the gospel does more than simply improve our circumstances but it completely reverses our fortunes. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and Ravi Zacharias has made the saying popular, Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And people who are alive want to come together with other people who are also spiritually alive, and in that context, good friendships can form. Uh, in fact, let me illustrate this, and I want to read again verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let me illustrate this for you. I need somebody who's in the back corner over here and somebody in the back corner over here just to stand up. I just need one in each spot to stand. Where are you at? You got one here and one there. All right. 
I want, you to, I want to illustrate for you what Paul's case is here. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles who have now both come to salvation. They both put their trust in Jesus. They're followers of Christ. Now, Crystal and Dan, you guys walk to me. He says, as you who were far come near, something beautiful happens. Watch what they're doing right now. They're walking toward each other. You see that? Paul's going to say, as you come near to Jesus, he's going to break down the wall of hostility. And as you both move in the same direction toward Christ, you're going to naturally move to each other as well. And where there was hostility, where there was brokenness, there will now be oneness. Guys, thank you. Give a hand to Dan and Crystal for participating. See, the mystery of the gospel was not simply that Gentiles could, could have a seat at the table. That, that had happened, and there are stories of, of Gentiles in the Old Testament who, who became part of the Jewish community. But the Jews really believed that in order for them to be full participants, they had to be circumcised, they had to observe the law, they had to basically become like Jews. And Paul's going to say, actually, there is no more rules, there's no more hostility, there's no more two camps, there is only one. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. A person who comes to faith comes all the way into the family of God. In fact, Paul, in this short passage, uses the word peace four times. He uses the word one four times. He uses the word both three times. He uses the word together two times. He's saying, though you once were not friends, though you once were at odds through the gospel, through the good news, through doing good works together, you're going to become good friends. I don't know about you, but for me... Those of you that are parents can relate with this. There's nothing that gives me more joy than seeing my, my children play together. Conversely, there's nothing that frustrates me more than when they're arguing and fighting together, right? And I just wonder if our Father in Heaven's going, oh man, I love when they play together. I love when they're laughing together. I love when they're working together. I, I, I think that's what the heart of God longs for, for his children to, yes, love him, but also to love one another. I believe there's nowhere that friendships can grow more quickly in the context of a church setting uh, than in a small group. And, and I want to just share for a, a brief moment as we, as we conclude. It has been in the context of small groups meeting in homes that God has done more for my faith than in any other, other place. As a teenager, as an adult, being able to sit with my wife or as a single young man when I would enter into groups and, and, and be encouraged and edified and strengthened and sharpened in a world where we get so little of that, and I have seen firsthand good friendships grow and blossom in the context of small group. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to become a close friend. We don't need to artificially manufacture it. We're not going on vacation with everybody in our small group. But what we are is communicating, checking in, becoming friends. And as you build good friendships in the context of a small group, there will be some who become close friends. And that's a beautiful thing as well. And so for the next two weeks, what we're going to do here at Horizon West Church is we're going to focus on community, friendship, and group life, and give the opportunity, if you're not yet, to participate in a group. This is the way that I want to close this morning. My heart fully believes that when good friends come together and we do good works for our community, in order to earn the right to share the good news of Jesus, I think there can be an explosive, or I might use the word disruptive, impact in our community. A few weeks ago, I shared a vision 
of Horizon West Church members and, and attenders having gospel conversations with a thousand people in 2020. I don't know if that goal is too big or too small. I just know it's the one God put on my heart. That we as a church community, not on Sunday mornings, not when we gather together, but in our week as we go through Monday through Saturday, that we're sharing with people, that we're having good news conversations. These might be conversations that are something like someone just opening up to you about a problem in their life and it ends with you saying, you know what, that sounds really, really tough. Do you mind if I pray with you? Not just for you, but with you. And it might go, oh, uh, sure. And you get to name the name of Jesus and pray over that person. It may be as simple as intentionally crossing the street to invite a neighbor to attend church with you. Not like just a general, like random, hey, come to church, but, but a specific, hey, would you come to church with me this week? Uh, you can follow me, I can pick you up. Maybe it's sharing part of your story with somebody, your God story, your but God story. Maybe it's that. Or maybe it's even sharing the entire gospel. Jesus coming, dying on a cross for our sins, being raised to life on the third day, and that person embracing it. But God's given us a vision this year for a thousand of those kinds of conversations to happen with lost people in our community. And one thing that was impressed on my heart was that the vision needed something visual to represent it. Something that would live before us, that we could see in front of us so we don't forget that this is what God has called us to do. So this morning, I want to reveal something we're just simply calling our gospel conversations wall. This wall has a thousand thumbtacks on it. And as we have these conversations throughout our week, every Sunday, we're going to see more of those thumbtacks coming off. As people go, you know what? On Wednesday morning, I got to share part of my but God story with Joseph. And I'm going to get to come up and I'm going to pull a thumbtack off of that wall. And it may be that already we're coming up at the end of January. You and your mind go, man, I know some specific instances where I had a gospel conversation, a spiritual conversation, if you will. And you can come up and take a thumbtack off the wall. But what we're going to do as we close is just offer the opportunity for you. If you had this week or any time this month, this new year, a conversation that you know specifically was designed to plant a seed of the gospel, that you come at this time. We're going to have a few of our team come down and just high-five those of you that are coming. And whether there's three or 30, we're going to celebrate. We're going to cheer for those who are coming, representing the work that they're doing, that God is doing through them as we sing. Team, would you lead us? And if you've had a conversation like that this month, come take a thumbtack off. again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.